What a game. What a game. A, a game for the ages. Perhaps the best regular season game I've ever seen. Ever. 105 combined points. Mahomes, six scores. Goss, four scores. And the Rams and the Chiefs put on a game for the ages. The Rams, now 10 and 1, eventually clinch the NFC West, hold their own destiny for the number one seed in the NFC Conference. And we welcome you guys back here inside of our broadcast booth, Sebi Podcast here, your host, Bastion, and here on WNSC Radio, where you're listening on air or online, Sebi's Podcast is wherever you go. And um, <laughs> what else can we say about last night? Just some remarkable stuff. We've got a lot to touch in today. We'll talk about the epic showdown, the epic duel between the Rams and the Chiefs. Andy Reid's Chiefs against Sean McVay's Rams. They just put on a show last night. Fireworks everywhere. We'll talk about the NFL Week 11 recap and the hottest teams in football. And the feud between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. And it's all coming up here in Sebi's podcast. Let that just sink in last night. Let 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 this just sink in. What we witnessed last night. Let me just throw in go ahead and throw some stats to you guys. Last night was the third highest, tied for the third highest combined points in a single game ever in the National Football League. The record being the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys back in the 80s, 113 combined points. And then 105 was tied last night with the Rams and the Chiefs for second and third place. But we just saw an in front of an electric vibe with emotions rousing everywhere from the, the, the things that the natives in Los Angeles had to deal with, with the wildfires, communities, LAFD, fire departments, gone berserk, trying to uh, help the community to take out these fireworks and just an emotional fan base at the LA Coliseum venue last night. And the LA Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, despite all odds, despite the misery that they had to deal with, their homes being burnt, their roofs caving in, you know, that moment at that specific venue was just everything that they needed. The number one ranked offense in the NFL, the Chiefs. Came in to L.A. to take on the number one total offense in the NFL. That would be the Rams. This was the first time in NFL history that two teams this late in the season, both averaging over well, well over 33 points a game. Think about that. Averaging over well over 33 points a game. Met. In a titanic showdown like that. And boy, we weren't disappointed. 
We thought that the first one to 50 would win. We weren't disappointed. We thought that there would be bombs. It would be filled with epic thrills, fireworks everywhere. And we weren't disappointed. Stars all over the field. I mean, stars all over the field. MVP candidates all over the field. Offensive side of the football, defensive side of the football. You got Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Hunt, Kelsey on the Chiefs side. And on the opposite side, Goff going off, Gurley, Aaron Donald inside doing damage and wrecking havoc. Stars all over the field. And in a historic venue like that, just, they just put on a show. Patrick Mahomes threw for over 440 yards, six TDs. He did have two critical interceptions at the end of the game and two crucial fumbles that led to uh, 21 points off turnovers for the Rams. So uh, there were some ups and downs for Mahomes, um, but (laughs) this man, what else can you say? Over 37 touchdowns through 10 weeks. I mean, he is on pace to break Peyton Manning's single season touchdown passing record. And credit to Andy Reid, man. He's found his guy for the future. And Patrick Mahomes, he's the real deal, man. Like, I, I... You've got a game plan for him because you got to make sure you keep him in the pocket because if you get let him loose and get outside the pocket with that type of arm that he has and the velocity in which he throws coming from that baseball background that he has, he, he can hurt you. But he's showing us that he can beat you in the pocket, in the pocket, throwing darts. And I mean bullets and darts to Travis Kelsey, bombs to the speedster and Tyreek Hill and you guys already know how I feel about Tyreek Hill the Olympic speed that he has and now you're seeing you know this creative and innovative mind and and Andy Reid that's using all of the necessary skill sets of Patrick Mahomes and just making them to arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at least this year and then you look at the opposite side same DNA. Sean McVay, along with Jared Goff. Now, this is a guy in Jared Goff, folks, when he first came in the league under um, Coach Fisher. People thought he was a bust. First two seasons didn't pan out what he's supposed to be. Fisher gets booted out of L.A. Well, St. Louis at the time before they transferred to L.A. Sean McVay becomes head coach and has just reinvented the career of Jared Goff and people forget this is a number one overall pick in Jared Goff who has really great stuff in fact some scouts throughout draft date were comparing him to Matt Ryan same type of body structure you know not the biggest arm not the strongest arm but can deliver the ball on time can make every throw inside the numbers outside the numbers And what has Sean McVay done? Reinvented this guy. There's a resurgence now at the quarterback position in Los Angeles. And Jared Goff, and yes, Jared Goff out of everyone, a legit, a legitimate MVP contender this season. 413 yards, four scores. Now, 
opposite of Patrick Mahomes. He did, didn't throw any interceptions. Although he did have a fumble. He had two fumbles lost throughout the game. One and one in which the Kansas City Chiefs returned for a touchdown. But he didn't make the crucial mistakes as, as in terms of the interceptions that Patrick Mahomes did last night. And I mean, you, you saw moxie. You saw poise in Jared Goff last night. And that's what LA Rams are wanting to see. And one thing about Los Angeles, Los Angeles loves a winner. And when Los Angeles is becomes a winner and becomes the city of champions again, that ultimately attracts free agents. Now, I know that the Rams are paying a lot of money for all the players that they got now. But one thing about Los Angeles, under the bright lights in Hollywood, I know that the city of Los Angeles loves a champion. And now we talk about the game changer, the man, the beast himself, Aaron Donald. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Donald. And I want to repeat this again. and, And I want everybody to understand what I'm saying. No disrespect to Von Miller. I respect the heck out of J.J. Watt. And I definitely, definitely respect the game of Khalil Mack. But there is nobody more dominant in the game right now in the defensive side of football than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald since entering the league in the NFL. This man has well over 50 sacks for a defensive tackle. A defensive tackle. For those who don't know what defensive tackles are known for, defensive tackles are the ones that are in right, their heads is right in front of the guard where the ball is snapped and they're known for run stoppers. They're not really known for getting after the quarterback. This is a guy in Aaron Donald that has had over 12 and a half sacks in each in the last three seasons as a defensive tackle. Let that sink in. A guy that's supposed to stop the run is getting 12 and a half sacks. That's more than defensive ends, defensive tackles, other defensive tackles in the league. That's more than, I think we did the stat here. That is more than 24 teams defensive tackles combined in a span of five to six seasons. Aaron Donald, the most dominant force in the NFL. The best defensive player in the NFL. And that's no knock to Mac, Von Miller, or J.J. Watt. Khalil Mack, uh, uh, Khalil Mack is a beast. I think that with his motor and what he's doing right now for the uh, fans in Chicago out there in Soldier Field and, and giving the Bears that identity that they had back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s um, to that extent, that nasty ferociousness, that great front seven on that defense is something special. But Aaron Donald right now leads the NFL with 14 and a half sacks as a defensive tackle. That leads all players, including Khalil Mack. And then you just ask yourself, how do you block this guy? 
He's too quick off the line for offensive linemen. He's, he's got this little cat. He's, he's cat quick. And then after that, you know what I'm saying? He has a great motor to when he's closing down on opposing quarterbacks. And oh, he'll pick up. He can pick up offensive linemen with just one arm and toss them like ragdolls. <laughs> How do you game plan for a guy like that? Double teams don't work on him. Definitely single, single uh, being single doesn't work on him. I don't know why any team would try to um, man mark Aaron Donald inside. And I don't even think that triple teams could could work against this guy. I, I think that we haven't seen a guy like this other than the great Warren Sapp and that great Tampa 2 defense led by Tony Dungy and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Donald is 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 better than than Sapp. Although Sapp was great at what he did. He didn't have the slithery, the move, the, the quickness of an Aaron Donald inside. And you ask yourself, how, how a beast like that is so dominant? Ray Lewis went out of the record and said that he is the best defensive player he's seen since himself. <laughs> That's high praise. That's high praise from the man himself. The dog. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the leader. The leader of all leaders in Ray Lewis giving high praise to Aaron Donald. The best dom- the best defensive player in the NFL. The best player on the team. Well, a team full of stars like Jared Goff and Gurley and, and weapons like Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks uh, and others like Woods. Aaron Donald is not only the face of the Rams, but the most dominant player in football on the defensive side. And I'm not quite sure. It's it's not far-fetched to say that Aaron Donald is not the best player in the NFL. That's how good he is. <laughs> That's how good he is. This is Sebi's Podcast, and you're listening on WNSC Radio. We'll be back. And we're back here on Sebi's podcast here. Some of the hottest teams in football. Some of the hottest teams in football. There's two of them in particular, and they both play in the same conference. The red hot, and I mean red hot, Houston Texans. This is a team that we definitely need to keep an eye on. This is a team in the Houston Texans. They started the season 0-3. Bill O'Brien already in the hot seat. Because a very talented team like the Houston Texans has been knocking on the door for years. All the talent in the world. Offensive side, defensive side as well. The comeback of J.J. Watt to pair him up inside with Jadavian Clowney. The arrival of the Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew. And then and speedsters outside like the great DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and Expectations. Lots of expectations for the Houston Texans. Started the season 0-3. Heat started to come on Bill O'Brien. Deshaun Watson coming back from that ACL that he tore last year, not being himself. And after that 0-3 start, boy, the Texans have just ran out on a rampage, winning seven in a row. And don't look now. 
and a very laxy daisy up and down AFC South division, the Texans are seven and three and seemingly looking away. The Jacksonville Jaguars aren't the team that they thought they would be. Andrew Luck is doing all he can do for the Colts, but can't do himself. And then the Titans are okay. But do we really think that the Titans are really going to do anything come postseason time? Although they did win a playoff game last year in Arrowhead. But man, the Texans have just been putting on a show. Look at these numbers. On their 0-3 start, averaging 19.6 points per game. And this seven-game winning streak that they're on. They're averaging well over 27.8 points per game. That's a big jump. 19.6 to 27.8. That's an eight-point jump. That's a whole touchdown and then some. And a two-point conversion. And the man behind all this, the conductor, the man, Deshaun Watson. Boy, is he good. I know he was good since Clemson. Only quarterback in college football in the last two seasons to give Alabama hell like that. Dabo Swinney said if you pass up on him, it's like passing up on Michael Jordan. The great Nick Saban in Alabama said... He's the best college football quarterback that he had to go up against since Cam Newton. That's high praise. That's Nick Saban telling you that. That's a five-time national champion at Alabama. And Deshaun Watson, along with DeAndre Hopkins, that little, you see that? You see that comparison right there, that combination? The little Clemson, that's a tiger, Clemson-Tiger combination right there, pairing up together. Both went to University of Clemson in South Carolina. But the Texans, red hot. J.J. Watt, the the Jadavian Clowney, merciless inside, they can get after the quarterback. And then they are banged up in in, in cornerback um, in in that back end, but the leader, the arrival of... Tyron Matthew making a difference. You could put him in the box to stop the run. You could put him in, in, in slot positions to put in corner blitzes. He could play free safety. He could play slot safety. You can roam him around the field. You could put him in linebacking positions. That's the freedom. The selective call that you can do with a guy and the caliber of a Tyron Matthew in all pro safety. A guy like that, Romeo Cornell, can thrive on. You know, you could put a lot of different looks on a defense. Um, uh, uh, Romeo Cornell uh, coming, having a DNA, coming from a, a background, a defensive background, loves a guy like that that has that type of versatility. A kind of a Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor, roll him all around the field. You could have eight in a box and just have him deep and playing free safety, uh, playing center field. Kind of like in baseball. And the Texans have just been, I mean, red hot. They're a team to look out for. Along with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we all know, 
the Le'Veon Bell saga. We talked about that in that last segment, last week's segment, not coming to, to the team, thinking that he's going to be in the facilities, practicing with the team in the facilities, not really showing up. And then after that, what does he do? He just doesn't show up. I wasn't surprised. I'm blaming on ownership for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Le'Veon Bell had value. James Conner's been running the football very well, well over four yards per carry. You don't trade Le'Veon Bell. You don't get safety or cornerback help in which you desperately need to solidify that back in. And now he's going to go to free agency and he's going to get paid big bucks for no reason. But along while this has been going all along, the Pittsburgh Steelers started 2-2-1. We know about that uh, tie that they had against the Browns week one of this season. But since then, they have gone out and won six in a row. Now they're up to 7-2-1. Up to the second seed in the AFC. We'll see if that, if that stands. They do play New England later on in the season, I think in week 15. But as it stands now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, red hot. Big Ben throwing to Antonio Brown. What a connection. Just a little stat here. Big Ben and Antonio Brown. That pair up, that combination, ranked seventh all time in quarterback to receiver connections as in terms of touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's up there with Montana and Jerry Rice and and, and Troy Aikman and, um, you know what I'm saying? Troy Aikman and, and the great uh, Michael Irvin, should I say? <laughs> That's the name I was looking up there. But yes, Brown, Ben, Damage. That, that, that's what that means. They call them the, the killer bees. Now, Bell isn't there. But what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done in the last six weeks here has just been played outstanding football. And their defense has been coming to their own. Now, they still are very uh, uh, suspect in the back end, in the secondary. We get all that. That's, that's, that's a routine. That's nothing new. Nothing. That's not news to me. I've been on the record saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers need safety help. They need cornerback help. They don't want to listen to me. But what they've done in this six-game winning streak, James Conner averaging 90 yards per game in that six-game winning streak. And he's and throughout that streak, had some monster games against the Cincinnati Bengals and others. Antonio Brown doing the special breed the special type of specimen that he is on the, as a whiteout in the NFL uh, just exposing secondaries and this week they faced a familiar foe in the Jacksonville Jaguars a team that they know very well a team that gives them problems in fact the Jacksonville Jaguars beat them twice last year indeed they did including the playoffs now, you know, this isn't the same Jacksonville team this season. They had a five-game losing streak. Blake Bortles has been anemic as a starting quarterback. But that defense is still intact. And you knew with the backs against the wall and the Jacksonville Jaguars having to win a game, they were going to step up for this game, especially the defensive side, defensive unit. Jalen Ramsey, 
big time. If the Jacksonville Jaguars don't re-sign Jalen Ramsey, I'm not sure what is going on in that organization. He is the one guy that you must, and I put that in parentheses and I put that in bold, you must re-sign Jalen Ramsey. And that's another story for another day. Pittsburgh coming to Jacksonville, looking for revenge, big time showdown, one of the marquee games that they probably circled throughout the beginning of the season, um, seeking revenge for the Jaguars. Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> big time. He talks a lot of trash, but boy, can he back it up with his play. Picked off Big Ben twice. Big Ben in three games against Jacksonville. 13 picks. 13 picks. This vaunted, nasty, stingy Jacksonville defense just knows how to play Big Ben. But at the end of the day, the Pittsburgh Steelers find a way. Ben. First, throws a bomb to... Antonio Brown, 78 yards. Miscommunication with the secondary and the safeties in the corners. That happens. Although I was thoroughly shocked. And then, on offense, the Jacksonville Jaguars can't do anything. Can't run the football. Blake Bortles can't throw the football to save his life. Very anemic. Rather pedestrian on offense. They can't do anything right on offense. Three and out. Three and out. Three and out. I think they had four possessions of three and out. And that eventually enabled the Pittsburgh Steelers to come back and to win that game in Jacksonville. And to conquer the Jacksonville Jaguars late. And all of a sudden. (laughs) All of a sudden. That team without Le'Veon Bell. That team that was under disarray. That team with Mike Tomlin that had like heat coming over him. Not for his job, but you know, with the things that are going in the locker room. That team with the toxic locker room. I've run six in a row. Stan as constructed right now, the number two seed in the AFC and hold their own destiny. Looking to make a deep postseason run. We'll be back here on Sebi's Podcast. And this is Sebi's Podcast on WNSC Radio. And we're back here on Sebi's Podcast live from WNSC Radio. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. We've all heard the rumors, the speculations, the noise, the beef inside of the locker room. We saw what happened on the floor against the Clippers game. Draymond Green refused to give Kevin Durant the ball. At a a very, 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 very important possession. In the ballgame against the Clippers. Now, Draymond Green, we know, very emotional. The heart and soul of that Warriors team. Without them, you know, there is a big hole, especially defensively. Because some of the things that he does defensively, he's the type of guy that, you know, if you want to play five out or that death lineup that Steve Kerr likes to call it, you put Draymond Green at the five and then they can go small. And then offensively, what he could do 
is he's your leading rebounder. He's your leading assist man while Curry, Clay, and Durant gets hot. So he's your utility guy. He gives you a little bit of everything. So a guy like that, extremely important, especially in a systematic offense like Steve Kerr's and the Warriors. But that was the time. Draymond Green pushing the ball up court, looking to make the right play. Felt as if in that particular possession, Kevin Durant was not running on the floor with him. Not giving it all. And then while Durant is coming late, waiting, asking for the ball. Wide open or whatever it may be. Getting frustrated. They miss the chance to win the game. They go to overtime. And of course, we know that the Clippers end up beating them. But throughout that particular juncture, before going to overtime and potentially winning the game, on the bench, we know what happened. Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, saying a lot of expletive and a lot of bleep things that we can't say on air right now. <laughs> That's Draymond Green for you. Very emotional, very passionate trash talker known for that but there's been rumors swirling inside of that Warriors organization and locker room that Kevin Durant is already seeking his next destination for the upcoming 2019 summer free agency if that would be in LA if that would be in New York wherever it may be They feel as if, and and, and Draymond Green happens to be one of them. That's why he's so passionate about it. He feels as if that Kevin Durant is one feet in and one feet out on the team. You know, Draymond Green coming from a background, growing up from the slums out there in Michigan, you know, uh, the projects in the hood. Loyalty is something big to him. Buying into a team, playing team ball. And, and being there for one another, that's something that he really lives and he really believes in. And he just thinks that Kevin Durant is not in that same mindset as the other players in that locker room. And this has become a big thing because even Klay Thompson has come out in front of media as well as, you know, his players in the locker room and saying, we are the best team in basketball. The only, the only team that can beat us is ourselves. And he reminds them of that. So this tension that is brewing in this locker room is quite interesting to me. And I've always said this. I said Draymond is the most... In, I said that uh, Curry is the best... Uh, not the best, but Kevin Durant's the best player on the team. Curry is the most important player on the team. But I've always said that... Draymond Green is the second most important player because of the things that I just displayed and demonstrated to you. But without Curry in the lineup, you know, he is ideally the face of the franchise. Before Kevin Durant came there, it was the Splash Brothers. Clay, Steph, and and Draymond. That was the, the, the original three. And then Kevin Durant came along and that's when they became this great dynasty that we look now as if like probably one of the best teams to ever as ever constructed. But without Steph Curry in that lineup, his leadership inside of that locker room, because 
Curry and Draymond are uh, are best friends. Curry and Durant are really good friends and stuff like that. There's a lot of tensions that's going on. They haven't been the same team on the court. You know, if 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 it the the playoffs started right now, the Warriors would be a three seed. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors would be a three seed, and it's quite interesting. And this tension is just interesting to me because Durant is already there. There's rumors that saying that Durant's already planning of his next destination, whether it be Los Angeles, whether it be New York or wherever the case may be. And I'm thinking to myself, is this going to be an ongoing issue throughout the rest of the season? Now, I don't think so. I think these guys are the most upper enchalant, the highest class of basketball players that you can ever see. I mean, Kevin Durant, it doesn't get better than that. Universally recognized as maybe the second or third best player in the world. Draymond Green, the classy guy that he is, uh, although he may not show it all the time in the court, but he's a baller. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that these guys will let the ego overpower their goal and potentially three-peating and winning another championship but it can you know some of the great teams that uh, uh were great that three-peated also had issues pippen and jordan although they worked their issues out pippen thought he was the alpha you know jordan always thinks he's the alpha jordan's not gonna set back to anybody kobe and Shaq, they three-peated we all know what happened Shaq. After losing 2004 with the Pistons, four games to one, decided to leave and take his talents to uh, Miami, eventually winning another ring with D. Uh, D Wade. Kobe thinking he was the man. Shaq upset that Kobe's not passing him the ball. That partnership kind of dispersed and they kind of parted ways. And then you ask yourself, hey, Kevin Durant may leave. I mean, he's a free agent. You know what I'm saying? Like he has the opportunity and the ability to do what's right for him to win another championship or whether to look for uh, future, you know, things as in terms of later on down in his career, if he wants to go into movies or be a businessman like LeBron has done. But you ask yourself, could one of the reasons that Kevin Durant leave is because the tension that is going on with Draymond Green in that locker room? It's really something to think about. And will this impact the Golden State Warriors come postseason time? I don't think it will. But it is definitely something to think about. And this is Sebi's Podcast.